0: Hey, uh, here we are with um, Tim Takaro talking about uh, TMX arrests and and what's going on with our climate. And Hi, Tim, how are you? I'm good. 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 Uh, so uh, what land are you on out there?
1: This is Kakite uh, Unceded Territory. The Kakite um, <clears throat> were moved out of... Um, a nice village on the Fraser River at uh, where it splits into the north arm and the central arms of the Fraser. Um, they got pushed out with uh, smallpox back in the 1820s and 30s, moved into a floodplain um, in the middle of the river and then eventually disappeared altogether. Chief Rhonda Larrabee uh, found her history and is bringing them back they're the only uh, recognized nation in canada with no land
0: thanks for that uh thanks for that acknowledgement you're not just some you know some fell off the street you gotta got you have a fair number of letters behind your name and you've been studying what's going on with our climate and and the health effects for for a fair bit of time so why don't you just uh tell us um, how you got here, willing to put your um, your freedom on the line for for the land?
1: Yeah, so um, I came at it quite honestly in the sense of um, <clears throat> through science. Um, I'm a physician scientist. Um, I was trained as an internist and got subspecialty specialty training in occupational and environmental medicine at the University of Washington then I uh, went on the faculty there in the occupational and environmental medicine program. I, um, began, uh, talking about climate change in, um, 19, uh, 1992 and three. Um, and I really was just learning from reading, uh, at that point. And then, um, I came to Canada in 2005 and, uh, that was when I began uh, also doing research in uh, climate change and health impacts of climate change in particular.
0: Right. Okay. And what are the health impacts of climate change?
1: Well, it's, um, quite myriad. Um, so I think, you know, a lot of people focus on the heat effects, which is really, um, of course, important and, and will kill a lot of people. Um, but uh, my interest has uh, been also on extreme weather events and the um, impact of, of extreme rain, for example, on water and water quality. I was a lead author on uh, Health Canada's Health of Canadians in a Changing Climate. Other research has been in molecular um, epidemiology and so how does that relate to climate change? Well, Um, it relates to asthma and um, um, pollen increases with um, increased temperature, but also wildfires and air pollution in general, um, worse under um, climate change.
0: Right. So we can expect a massive increase in childhood asthma. And uh, I I had childhood asthma um, and I still have it every every once in a while and a A serious asthma attack, you know, there were a couple times where I almost died from an asthma attack. And and so, you know, having a a future where more children have this more frequently um, and start to die from uh, from climate climate related asthma attacks.
1: The the biggest biggest one is um, famine. And uh, so that's the way um, most people will die in the future right Uh, and that will be driven by drought crop failure and all from increased temperatures and there will be parts of the world that will be uninhabitable so as this uh, famine wipes out uh, large numbers um, people will start moving right um, and be forcibly moved those combination of events will um, lead to societal collapse
0: right And if we do nothing, how soon can we expect this to start happening? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's already started, but.
1: Yeah, it depends on how much money you have. Right. If you you have a lot of money, you'll be able to hold it off for maybe a generation or two. Right. If you don't, you'll be part of the billions that will be moving or those that die.
0: Right. Um, Okay. Now, what about our, our food systems here? How much under threat are our food systems, um, let's say, just here in the lower mainland? I mean, we import a lot of our food.
1: But um, the most um, threatening aspect of um, the food uh, systems and local food systems in B.C. are from drought. Um, We saw droughts, uh, unprecedented proportions, particularly on Vancouver Island. But all along the coast, um, towns that rely on uh, runoff and uh, surface water uh, did very very badly. The Sunshine Coast is still not fully recovered, and um, yeah, it's almost summer again.
0: Right, and right now we're uh, we're at the very end of February, and we've just seen twenty five centimeters of snow falling overnight. Um, so here we are.
1: Level, level weirding.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know it's it. You know, I was. I was out yesterday morning and I, I, I teach yoga in the mornings on Saturdays. And I was, I was talking to people about, you know, the snow is coming and it it's just so interesting to me. People are like still, they just say, Oh yeah, isn't this really, this is a really strange thing that we're having all this snow today. And, and, and I just don't see the urgency in people at all. And I, okay. and I just think like, how can you, how can you not know that this is incredibly um, abnormal to go from you know 10 degrees to minus eight degrees, you know, to five degrees to minus twelve degrees, you know, in a in just a few day cycle. Um,
1: but you don't but very many farmers in your <laughs>
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 I don't know. We don't have any farmers. Um okay so let's let's go to the point at which you decided um that you had to put yourself and your body and your freedom um, out there on the line to to get this message across. When did you decide?
1: My expertise in um, toxicology and epidemiology led me to uh, participate in the review of the Trans Mountain Pipeline Expansion Project. Right. And uh, as part of that review, I uh, came up against um, the Harper government, which um, you know, I was hired um, to talk about the health impacts of the project. And right off the bat, they say, yeah, but you can't talk about the climate health impacts, which are by far the greatest impacts. Why? It's off the table. This project (laughs) has nothing to do with climate change, according to the government of the day.
0: Right. Okay.
1: They stack the deck right from the start.
0: (laughs) So you hire experts and tell them they can't talk about their expertise. Yeah. (laughs) Okay.
1: Too inconvenient for us to consider. Right.
0: Right. Okay. So what could you talk about?
1: So I talked about the toxicology of um, spills. I talked about... um, the mental health impacts of um, an event like that we had right. <clears throat> just begun to uh, get data back on the deep water horizon spill and uh, we understood that uh, the impacts on cleanup workers was quite significant and if uh, a spill happened say at second narrows or first narrows right that the um, impact would be quite devastating and of course the the health assessment from the contractor had their spill event way away from any people. So that was convenient for them. Um, But they didn't ever consider what a spill would be like in the lower, in in Burrard Inlet. So we looked at that and we looked at childhood leukemia, and benzene exposure benzene is a primary component of um, dil- diluted bitumen it's a product in the pipe right um and oh, we talked about that and then we talked about um the impact on food supply um, marine foods um the slaver tooth rely on uh, shellfish um, for their subsistence food supply and we did two major reports both of which were ignored and then we also did um a resolution with um, the bc health officers council so this is all the health officers right in the province and um convinced them to um pass this resolution demanding an independent cumulative uh, and comprehensive health impacts assessment, Right. because none had been done. And uh, this passed the council and went to the province, and th- that was April of 2019, also mm-hmm. completely ignored. <laughs> right. So, okay. so I, yeah, at that point I knew the evidence right. was not the ticket. Right. So you,
0: you tried everything. You tried everything um, legally, academically. Okay. And then and what and did you do? And even politically
1: with the health officer's council.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And there were marches and there were batter drops and there were letters sent and there were Um All the things that, you know, should Sometimes work, didn't but, but didn't. So then what did you do?
1: So, um, I knew uh, where the pipeline was coming uh, mm-hmm. actually in my neighborhood. One of the favorite places I go, um, is the Brunette river, right? And, um, so I was, uh, exploring different places along the route, um, which, uh, I knew they had to cut the trees in, right. And um yeah on August 20th uh, of 2020 August uh, 3rd of 2020 I went up um, in a tree uh, at Holmes Creek right and uh, yeah I went up for 10 days got some other people are, are around me uh, to keep it up and we um, we actually ended up uh, in you know blocking Trans Mountain for 16 months uh, Wow.
0: Different, In the tree trees,
1: different trees and all right. along uh, the brunette. <clears throat> yeah, so, I mean, uh, that was a statement. We got uh, some pretty good press. Um, not nearly enough, obviously. Um, right. The major media outlets all have board members who are deeply entwined uh, with the fossil energy industry, well, only, I heard I, about
0: it. I only mm. heard about it through, like, social media and the posts that you were putting out and the March that Timothy was doing daily from downtown uh, from uh, commercial drive to downtown. He was marching every single day. Um, and so I found out a lot about it from them, but I didn't he- I didn't hear about the tree sets through the regular like media channels at all. And for it to for it to be going on for 16 months. Yeah. is a long time for the media not to have picked it up.
1: Yeah, I mean to be fair we you know there was one CBC story at the beginning mm-hmm. um but it very quickly waned. Yeah. Yeah. And uh we got more press actually from Washington state and right. We had Seattle Times, we had Newsweek.
0: Right. Um okay, so tell us about your arrest then.
1: Yeah, so uh, um well, quite a long time later, you know, we we had all kinds of strategic uh, or tactical retreats. And, um, you know, we gave up <clears throat> a beautiful treehouse uh, very early on um, the day we were to occupy it. And there's no doubt that they had infiltrated our WhatsApp group mm-hmm. um, and figured out when when we were doing what. And they, um, surrounded the tree house with the two, uh, layers of, um, fencing, including razor wire, um, and, uh, stole about $10,000 worth of our equipment. Right. We've never recovered. And so we just moved to the next tree right. and kept doing that. Um, Okay. Until eventually, there were no trees left. Right, and the last um, the last tree we were in uh, was um, November of twenty
0: twenty one. Twenty twenty one, and were you arrest- arrested from the tree? Yeah, yeah. Okay, and then you were taken. Uh...
1: Yeah, I was arrested by the community industry ah group. those
0: the friendly
1: armed police with their military garb
0: right right they're frightening really frightening okay and then you went to court you went to court in the court of uh shelley fitzpatrick correct that's right that's right and uh tell us a little bit about that
1: you know she's gotten things uh fairly well uh in hand with uh, her use of the injunction. Right. Um, this is the injunction from June of 2018. And we, we tried a few different ways of challenging the injunction uh-huh. itself because you know, the injunction happened before everybody died. Um, the injunction happened before the secretary general said, stop building new infrastructure. Right. So the injunction is clearly outdated. Right. But um, because of the stranglehold that industry has over our system, there was no uh, getting around it. Right. And so, you know, David Goodram, um and Jennifer Nathan did a very uh, strong effort at um, yeah. trying to get a defense of necessity. Yeah. And this is... Um, what caused uh, judge Bauman in their appeal to say, you know, you can't have a defensive necessity because you could have done nothing. Right. You could have done nothing and just let the system run itself. Let the process unfold. Yeah. That's a direct quote. So I don't know about Bauman. I don't know who he is really. I mean, he's a judge. Yeah. But I know that I could not do nothing.
0: Yeah. Well, you I, took it I understand, as understand what's happening.
1: <laughs> yeah. I have the science background to clearly see what the consequences of our non-action are, yeah and not do nothing. Yeah,. Yeah.
0: So you went to prison.:
1: So I went to prison. That was um, actually very good, except for the first week was terrible, but the after induction, uh, they start treating you a little more like a human. right. What happened um, in the first week well, the first week uh they put you um you're, you i was alone mm-hmm. in my cell, and they're supposed to let you out every two and a half hours yeah or two and a half hours every twenty four
0: yeah yeah,
1: otherwise it's torture, <laughs> yeah, and they don't do it, and it is torture and yeah. um
0: so you I, didn't how 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 often were you getting out of your cell mm
1: uh definitely went more than 24 hours mm-hmm. um errol went 36 hours wow um and certainly some of the guys who were next to me went long periods um more than 24. yeah and you know i got pretty good resources i knew what i was getting into yeah. i was going to get out
0: yeah
1: uh, i don't have serious mental health problems
0: right Right.
1: But there's a lot of people in there with... I know. serious mental health problems, no idea when they're getting out. Yeah. And no support whatsoever.
0: Right. And and a lot of people haven't even... They're, they haven't even been found guilty yet because they're just on remand for breaking conditions that they may not have understood. Or
1: for being the wrong color in the wrong place yeah. at the wrong time.
0: Yeah. No. One of the... Uh, I guess... I don't even know if I want to say that the the word advantages but one of the things that that we're learning through you know all these people going to prison for protesting against human extinction is we're finding out what's really going on in our prisons and it's yeah. it's horrifying it's outrageous
1: yeah, yeah these no, are not
0: people in these are not people who have been taken out of society because they're violent or dangerous they're people who need a lot of help And it would be much cheaper to just help them, even if we want to just put economics on it. It would just be, you know, obviously it would be more moral, but, uh, you know, it's it's this this, you know, prison industrial complex is is just it's just so it's just a symptom of such an incredibly sick society.
1: Yep. Um, And, and, you know, there's a number of people that are in prison because they're in the wrong country their visa ran out. Really? I mean, yeah. There's plenty of people who are in remand because they, it takes a long time to deport them.
0: Wow. Wow. Okay. So did you make any friends after your first week of solitary?
1: I did. I mean, yeah. and, um, you know, when they do let you out, um you know there's it it's a social scene, right? I mean, of right. course it is, and it's us against them. And I was not afraid for a moment when I was in prison. Right. Um and when I got to the minimum security, um, you know, we even have doors that you could lock. I've never locked my door. Right. Um so that the respect that I got from um, fellow inmates was um, quite palpable, and right, um,
0: right. So it sounds like you got more respect from the inmates in prison than you did from our federal government. Oh, for sure. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, I mean they understand what what's happening. Yeah. Um, there, there are a lot of smart people in prison.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, OK, let's talk about the the newest um, case that just happened, because this is quite this is this is really outrageous. Um, the Sequemic 8 sentencing that just happened in the court of Shelley Fitzpatrick. Um, they were facing one to six months and they got something anywhere between 28 and 32 days. D- were, were you in? Were you at that hearing? Were you in- no, I course? mean, we
1: were in touch. Of course, we have people. Right. That, um, so I followed it. Um, hourly, but
0: do you uh, want to say anything about about Shelley Fitzpatrick? How is how is it that she is getting all of these injunction cases?
1: Yeah, I think, mean, especially um, if you're a petrostate, then <laughs> this um, this business is usually
0: right. It, I, mean, I don't know how long it how it took me so long to <laughs> to understand really what's going on, but it did. Um, okay, so what what about this uh, this court case, what was going on in there that was particularly egregious?
1: Well, um, we've known uh, for years that um, Judge Fitzpatrick is a racist. Um, she demonstrated that with, uh, my experience has been with um, Will George and Stacey Gallagher and Jim Layden. Uh, she clearly showed her racism can you Um, give an
0: example
1: well so (laughs) um one of the more graphic for me was um when will uh was describing to her his upbringing and she just which was traumatic Right. And and she just brushed that off. Like, I don't know. I don't even know where the slave tooth nation is. What? I don't. <laughs> um and I'm I didn't read your Glidoe report.
0: So just maybe tell people what a Glidoo report is. Um,
1: the, the Glidoo report is a um a technique that is now um yes. dozen or fifteen years old. Um, that enables an Indigenous person to provide information about their background, which um, may influence um, either what they did um, to appear before the court or um, what their sentencing should be.
0: So the judge is supposed to read
1: it. Yeah, the
0: judge is absolutely (laughs) supposed to read it. Wow. Okay. So are there no checks and balances on our judges?
1: No, this is a very good question and one that we're exploring. um, Absolutely. Uh, Not really. Um, So you might recall the example of the judge, the rape judge Mm -hmm. who told, um, victim that you know she should have just closed her legs yeah stuff like that and eventually that did catch up with him we're at this time with regards to our response to the truth and reconciliation commission where uh people are really starting to understand what colonialism means Mm -hmm. what systemic racism is Yeah. yeah It's not just the PRC, but also George Floyd and Mm -hmm. the Black Lives Matter efforts and then also societal response to these things.
0: Yeah. I'm I'm a little discouraged, though, because what happened just in the recent sentencing and and judge, uh, Judge Fitzpatrick basically denied the existence of, Uh, the remains of children at the Kamloops Indian Residential School. And there was an article that was published about this, you know, blatant, blatant racist statement. Um, And, you know, I post that on uh, my sites and it gets like very little reaction. And yet a singer, Julie Black, Saying the national, saying our national anthem, and changed, you know, to our home on native land, and everybody is reposting that.
1: Yeah, it's (laughs) more powerful. It's so
0: discouraging because we've got a judge who just is like unapologetically racist in public. And very few people seem to be, I mean, maybe they're reading it and they're thinking, oh, isn't that's terrible, but they're not reposting it for political reasons or they don't, I, I don't understand. Yeah. I think I um, people, are Why is
1: intimidated. It? people are intimidated by the justice system and for good reason. It, the justice system is correct, connected to a correctional system, which by the way, we um, call BC incorrections because Right, people come out worse than they go in.
0: Oh, absolutely! I've spent more than more mm-hmm. than uh, a few hours sitting outside the Cordova Street Jail, waiting for people to come out, and it is just it it it's so heartbreaking sitting outside of that jail and seeing these poor people coming out with their little bag of stuff, clearly in distress, and they have nowhere to go. Just kind of walking up and down the street, looking. Because yeah. they don't have any money, they don't have any, you know, yeah. any anywhere to go, and it's just mm-hmm. it, and it's just torture in there, and it's just so horrible.
1: So people hear about this, and, and they are intimidated, and that's what the system is hoping. And uh, I think that's a big reason why people are afraid to take on a judge. Um, and fortunately, you know, there are people who are not afraid, and. Right. Um, I do think Shelley Fitzpatrick is going to have her day um, in court, or, or at least, you know, she's having her day in the court of public opinion at the moment. Right. And yes, you're right. It doesn't gotten a lot of traction, um, but uh, <laughs> wait till they see George Rammels. <laughs>
0: Oh yeah, that's it. Um so there's an unveiling coming up in the evening, isn't it? What do you know what date March that
1: is? 21st. March 21st. Longhouse Church.
0: Um okay, yeah, I can't wait to see it. It's uh yeah, as I've seen it I've seen a a photograph of it. Um and yeah, some of the reports coming out from the people who were uh in the Kamloops courthouse. It's pretty pretty outrageous what's going on in there.
1: <laughs> it's Franklin Street, uh, 2595. Franklin Street.
0: 2595 uh, Franklin Street on March 21st at 7 o'clock, an unveiling of uh, of Shelley and the other two. Who are the other two yeah, judges?
1: Bauman and Affleck. And Affleck, right. It's called uh, the Chamber of Predetermined Outcomes.
0: Nice, nice. Uh, okay, so where are we at with the Trans Mountain um, the trans mountain, uh, pipeline, uh, how do? what's the next step? How do we, how do we get this thing stopped? Cause this is
1: going to kill people. um, Our approach to this is death by a thousand cuts. Right. And we don't know what cut we're on yet. Uh, which is a bit of a problem. This kind of project is absolutely unviable. For a myriad of reasons, including economic reasons. Right. Um, But of course, most importantly, the existential threat that is climate change. And Canada is in a very bad position um, because we seem to have a public that believes it is our right to burn all of the petroleum and tar and any other thing we could possibly burn um, including our forests um, that is our right to do it um, even if we are um, killing future generations and of course that's morally reprehensible and unsustainable right so at some point um that will catch up with reality um and um then we'll stop and unfortunately it will probably be too late but um it might not be and you know the the verdict on how resilient we actually are is out still.
0: Right. Okay. So what can people do right now that they're listening?
1: Another cut, you know, every, uh, every opportunity to uh, expose this uh, moral morass, Mm -hmm. immoral morass that we are perpetrating by continuing the project, you know, be it, You know, another letter to the editor, another um, person picketing the RBC, you know, following the money, I think, is a really good place to go. Sue Big Oil. Mm -hmm. um, This uh, campaign by the oil and gas industry to maintain their position is exactly like the tobacco companies. which we fought in the early part of my medical career Mm -hmm. Um, they even used the same lawyers and the same scientists uh, um, definitely the same strategies for maintaining the fiction that oh our oil is ethical oh yeah our oil is clean Right. Um, it's pretty clear that they are desperate I mean they're putting out Full page ads in the Globe and Mail and and all these ads on TV about how green they're becoming and net zero this and that. Um, Well,
0: I've been uh, working on um, pension hmm. divestment because uh, the BCTF invests with the the teacher's pension plan and and all public pensions in B.C. are heavily, heavily invested in fossil fuels and they're buying more like Quebec's pension, um, Quebec just divested, uh, started divesting their public pensions and BCI, our investment corporations just bought two of their funds. Um, so anybody who has a, a public pension can, can get involved, uh, because that's yeah, a I think lot that's a really money.
1: Good way. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's accessible for a lot of people. Um, but it's also, you know, important for the politicians to see. I mean, they're going to maintain this fiction uh, that there's only 500 people at a rally when there's re- really 5,000 and, and yeah. stuff like that. They're going to keep uh, doing that because the um, the alternative is um, still very unpalatable for them. I mean, the right. idea that British Columbia would stop fracking, for example. Um, for some people, that's like not not possible right so every individual effort that goes towards exposing what government is actually doing um and the disconnect between their rhetoric and their action um all of that is good and eventually there will be enough organization um even within the current political structure, I think it will be possible to throw the bums out.
0: Right, and it just has to—you know—we're just in a race against the clock. Yeah, a massive that, race against the clock.
1: That—that's um, an impossible equation right. to solve. Yeah. Um, because there are too many unknowns.
0: Right. So maybe everybody needs to make, make a commitment, like, do something every single day. Yeah. Do something every single day. If everybody Not does like something a, every I mean, single that's day, a, it'll be the done.
1: Theory of a thousand cuts. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and watch everybody's eyes roll and, uh, you know, you stop getting the invitations to the parties, but whatever.
1: <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> eventually, they inv- eventually, eventually, they invite you back to the party. <laughs>
1: No, I'm very convinced that history will absolve us on this, that that it's physics.
0: Yeah, if we have history.
1: <laughs> but we also, we also have science. Yeah. I mean, it is inevitable. It's just not clear when.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Okay, cool. Anything else you'd like to say before we... Uh,
1: yeah, I do think there's not enough voice of the um, future generations. yeah. Um, I think it's extremely challenging for young people today um uh teenagers uh because the um the overwhelming reality of the crisis is immense, and also the people that were supposed to take care of them have not have totally failed them yeah <clears throat> and so that that's tough on uh mental health, of course. And uh, we are in a mental health crisis. It's pretty obvious. And
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. I teach high school and last year in my when I was teaching grade eight and every time I would give an assignment, a creative assi- a writing assignment, over half, well over half of the students would write about an apocalyptic future due, due to climate change. Yeah. Every, like, and, you know, I've talked to a number of students who are older now and they're like, yeah, I used to be really involved, but I just, it's so hard for me to even think about it because it makes me so incredibly depressed, you yeah. know, and they didn't start this mess. So, no. you know, if, if the adults can
1: and, and, and take and some fair, responsibility. Their, <laughs> their uh, individual carbon footprints are not that large either yet. Um, no. Maybe they take the family vacation or whatever, but this this whole uh, notion just turns my stomach. The discounting of the value of future lives—you yeah. know how economists mm-hmm. count that in any kind of uh, equations yeah. or calculations of the future—that um, is the nub that is not addressed.
0: Yeah. And, you know, we love our children.
1: Yeah, supposedly.
0: So I guess we got to start acting like we love our children.
1: Yeah, and we have to love their children mm-hmm. and their children's children.
0: Yeah. All right, cool. Well, thanks, Tim. I'll, uh...
1: Yeah, thank you for doing this, Julie. I appreciate your, uh, your efforts. You
0: never know that you It's too late.